May the words of my heart and the meditation of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I sometimes think that we feel like we're the only ones who have had a hard time in the world where faith is hard, where we've struggled, where there's forces around us that do not lead us towards alignment with God, but it's been happening since the world began. And our Bible is filled with stories basically saying to the followers of God, don't give up, don't lose heart, keep moving forward. And so this message, which is timeless, it was needed for the early Christians and it's needed for us today, don't lose heart. And often when we hear that phrase, we think of it kind of in therapeutic terms, right? You're having a hard time, you're feeling sad, your therapist might say to you, don't lose heart. Your spouse might say, stay strong. It is that, but we're also talking about it in the sense of faith because friends, we can lose heart, we can give up on faith. And it's because we're disconnected from the community. We're disconnected from God. We don't really see what God is doing in the world. And it's easy to unhook, to detach, to sit back, to give up. Don't lose heart. And we hear it in two ways in the scripture lesson for today. Um, The first is in the gospel lesson from Luke. And this actually is a really funny gospel lesson. Sometimes in the Bible, we hear these things and we take everything with equal seriousness. It's not, it's funny. So Jesus is saying to the people who have followed him, don't lose heart. And then he gave him an example. And he was specifically talking about don't give up praying. Never stop praying. And he tells this story of this super annoying widow who constantly goes to the judge and just chips away and chips away looking for justice from the one who has wronged her. She never gives up. She's like a mosquito. You know that in Texas. She is persistent and she will not give up. And the judge is described as basically as corrupt as can be. No concern for human beings, no concern for God, but even that judge is going to give her what she wants just to make her go away. And Jesus seems to be saying to us, how much more your father in heaven who embodies justice, who embodies love, who cares about every hair on your head, contrast that corrupt judge with your father in heaven. How much more when you come in prayer, however insufficient, however weak you may feel the prayer is, how much more will your father in heaven hear your prayer? And so it's just an encouragement to his followers. Don't give up. Be like that widow. Keep coming to God in whatever imperfect way you can. But then at the very end of the gospel, there's a really interesting line that we can't miss. But when the son of man returns, will there be faith on the earth? And I feel like Jesus asked that question, not of his disciples, not of the Romans around him. Jesus was looking at us 2,000 years later. Will there be faith on the earth? And so in a sense, this unbroken line that goes through scripture and shows us the love of God and it was revealed in Jesus Christ and he poured out his spirit upon us so that we can live in love. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. But the question is, if the Son of Man were were to come today, would he find faith on the earth? 
or 2,000 years from now or 10,000 years from now. And part of what we do as followers of Christ is we ensure what the answer to that question is. Yes, there will be faith on earth because we have practiced it, because we have been steady with it, because we did not give up the race and we passed the baton from every generation. Don't give up heart. And then there was the, the message from Second Timothy. And this actually is a very wonderful um, epistle lesson. And some question whether this was actually written by Paul or not. It doesn't matter. In the tradition, it is in Paul's voice. It is consistent with his teaching. And basically, he, uh, in Second Timothy, is giving the antidote to giving up. He's giving the antidote to losing heart. So on the one hand, you have someone who's just so tired, they just want to throw it, throw it all in and say, I give up. And so what Paul is saying is, this is how you can keep faith. This is how you can stay constant. Listen to this. He uses words like, hold fast to what you have learned and believed from the apostles. So that means if there is a true integrity of teaching that you have heard all the way from the apostles to now, hold on to that. And if you hear a teaching that is not consistent with the teaching that was given, at least be mindful, be thoughtful before you accept it. So hold fast to what you have learned and believed from the apostles. Remain grounded in scripture which is useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. And by the way, the Episcopal Church uses the Bible all the time. Every service you come to, you'll hear at least two, sometimes four passages of Scripture. It's in our daily office, morning prayer, evening prayer. We are seeped in Scripture. So when someone tells you that the Episcopal Church doesn't use the Bible, gently, with a winsome love, those of you who are in my class, correct them. Continue to share the good news, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. God is going to do God's work. You are simply a messenger, and your job is to be authentic, kind, and to share the message. And what happens with that message is not yours. So don't say, well, it's so hard out there. No one's going to listen to me. Why should I even bother? That's like the one who took the talents and hid them. God doesn't like that. We saw what happened to the one who hid the talents. You need to invest them. You need to use them. And in the same way, you can find authentic, loving ways to share the good news of Christ with others. Disciple one another, convince, rebuke, encourage, and teach. This is something that we are growing in, which is to say, I, I regard you first with dignity. I regard you with love. But because you're my brother or sister, if I am your friend, if I am your coworker, if there's trust between us and I see a way in which your life is veering in a way that's not good for you, I will tell you. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be, hey, can I take you out for coffee? Sure, you connect and you catch up on everything. And then you say, you know, I've noticed when you do this or when we are talking, I sense this or I feel this. And it can be with a sense of humility not sure if it's right on target or not, and let that person respond. That's called spiritual friendship. And I'm looking out here, and I know that a number of you have spiritual friends, those with whom you could take out for coffee, go to a lunch, and actually share something that is hard to share. It keeps us on track, and I would hope you would do that for me as well. And then stand fast in the face of persecution. Persecution is inevitable for those who are faithful. So listen again to 2 Timothy be persistent, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. That is a prescription for not losing heart. 
Have you ever, I don't know if any, if this is true for any of you, I was a therapist before I was a, a priest, and sometimes with someone with major depression, you really can't move. Like, you do not want to do anything. You feel flat with your emotion. It's out of your control. It's very heavy. And sometimes the therapist, rather than being, you know, kind of feeding that, well, I really understand. It sounds like you're super sad, super depressed, although they'll do that. They'll actually say, have you tried going to a movie? Have you called somebody to have lunch? It's the same thing. It's exactly what we're talking about in the epistles. Sometimes the way to get healed, to get out of this, as well as the medicine, which can be very helpful with mental illness, is to actually do the things you don't want to do that will inculcate it in you. And so that's what 2 Timothy is talking about. He's just saying, um, do these things that you know, be persistent, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and carry out your ministry fully. I want to share a story with you that deals for me with not losing heart. Um, and I've referenced this in some settings, so if you've heard pieces of this, um, bear with me. It was a formative experience in my life, and it's something that taught me the power of endurance. So before I went to college, I was in a wilderness survival program called High Road, and it was about three weeks before college. And I was, I don't know what it was, I was the youngest of four boys, and I kind of did whatever the brother ahead of me did. Um, if he was going to a college, I went to that college. If he was in ROTC, I did ROTC. It was a very interesting little pattern, which changed. Um, but at that age, I was just kind of locked into my brother. And he had done High Road. And so it was kind of like, well, of course I'm going to do High Road. We both went to Wheaton. And he did not tell me what it was like. He just said, it will change your life and it will be hard. I had no idea how hard it would be. So it's one of those things where the leaders do not tell you anything. They don't give you any guidance. Their only job is if you need medevaced out of there with a helicopter, they get the helicopter. That is it. I am not kidding you. If you are leading your group and going off a cliff, they probably would let you go just as long as it wasn't too high. The idea was they're, they're silent. They don't say a thing. So that's the kind of background. They gave us too little food for our group. We had huge football player types, and they gave us about half the food that we needed for our group. So we were very hungry. We're on the bus. They're getting ready to drop us off, and there's two groups. There's one that's going to be hiking and one that's going to be mountain biking. And they read off the names, and they read my name off in the mountain biking group. I'd never raised my hand for this. I said, I I'm going to be in the hiking group. They're no like, no, we had to balance the numbers. You're in the mountain biking group. Thank God I knew how to ride a bike. They drop us off at the side of the road. We go through woods. We come to a shed. They open the door, and lying there is a pile of bicycle parts. And they said, build your bikes. At that point, I lost heart. <laughs> I was terrified. I was so out of my league. I mean, give me a good hike, but what? I had no idea what I was doing. Fortunately, some of the guys did, and what does happen in groups like this is, of course, some don't know how to do it. And the question is, can you trust others to help you build your bike? That, that, that's the lesson. But I was so scared to ask. And I was so embarrassed. And that's what created this group as we started trusting each other this way. Um, we went straight from that experience, which was the worst experience of my life, to the second worst experience of my life. <laughs> they took us to a ropes course. Now, some of you have upper body strength and ropes courses are your thing. Not me. We had to do things that my body literally could not do, and I fell, and I fell, and I fell. This is within 12 hours of starting this trip, and I have three weeks left. 
And I'm saying, what on earth? Like, what is this going to be like? And after I was bleeding underneath my arm from trying to hold onto the ropes, I did okay. I finally got far enough. And they kind of just said, okay, let's move on. What I, the point I'm trying to tell you is there was aspects of this trip that I was very bad at. Ropes course, building bikes. But I'll tell you what I was good at. Waking up every morning, encouraging my friends, sharing my food, saying my prayers, we had a three-day fast, I was fine, and we ended with a half marathon, and I was number two in my group. And what that was is it was the spiritual gift of endurance. It was saying, however bad things get, however frustrated and demoralized I am, I am going to show up, and I'm going to do the best I can. And it was interesting, at the end, we gave each other feedback, and I talked about my thanks for putting together the bikes, and thanks for the ropes course, their patience, all of that. And they looked at me and they said, wait a minute, we need to thank you because you were so encouraging and you were so kind and you modeled prayer among us. And I didn't even see it until they reflected that back to me. And I share that story not to say, oh, look, I did such a great job there, but to say endurance, persistence, carrying out your ministry fully is a spiritual gift. And each of us has it to some measure. And I would invite you to, you know, what, however discouraged you are or however bad you think you are at prayer, to just wake up each day and say, I'm going to try again. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to give to the church during the annual giving campaign. Whatever the things are that are just nice and faithful and consistent, do those things and you will not lose heart. I think that's all I'm going to say today. Thank you for listening and God bless you.